On this episode of the Waking Up to Money podcast, we are concluding our three-part mini-series where we've been covering the pros and cons of hourly-based, project-based, and value-based pricing. On this concluding episode, we focus on value, uh, pricing based on value, the challenges, the benefits. Um, And I think the upshot for us, myself and Ben, is thinking about value-based pricing not as a simple tactic and strategy um, to approach in order to make more money, but as a philosophy, as a mindset of really understanding what is the impact you want to make for your clients, how well do they understand that impact and how it benefits them, and also really understanding the benefit it is to you for doing this work. There needs to be a value that you get from working with these clients, not purely based on the money, but also on the feelings, but not letting your beliefs around how much you are allowed to earn, um, whether it's by the hour, by the minute, or absolutely in terms of there's a number that you're allowed to earn, removing those beliefs and those limitations so that you can just really focus on what it means in terms of outcomes and benefits and having open conversations around that and honest conversations it's not easy but i really believe that's where we need to be aiming for and taking a pragmatic approach um, seeing that charging by the hour or charging by the project might be the the way for your customer to feel confident about buying from you but always bearing in mind it's it's really about having this mutual understanding of the value of the outcome and not just about the nuts and bolts of what you're doing. I hope this conversation inspires you and gives you another another ingredient to add to your pricing recipe. Right, we are live. Um, if you are listening to this um, on the podcast, uh, hello, welcome. welcome. Uh, um, we hope you're, you're at least you're listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> We're listening and what talking. That, what's that quote? Is it if 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 a tree falls in a forest and no yeah. one hears it? I don't know what the end of that is. No, if if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a noise? And if no one hears it, is that all right? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So if three falls in the forest and no one's around, does it make a noise? Interesting. Which is, uh, uh, and then, so this is a, just a little bit of a complete tangent at the beginning here, because it also then reminds me of my physics um, uh, time, or time as a physicist, around, uh, I'm going to go totally, so Heisenberg, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Right. Which essentially means that, um, the act of measuring something or sensing something affects the thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yes, I don't know whether that maybe listening, hearing the tree actually made it fall over. <clears throat> hearing the thing made it fall over. Uh, okay, good. So <laughs> hearing the podcast <laughs> yes, we'll make makes it, all it over. better. <laughs> oh, that was just a random... <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Yeah, well, we aren't. Well, I, I don't believe we are alone anymore. We there are people actually listening to us, which is going to affect what we say, which is a bit Heisenbergy. 
Uh, we mm-hmm. have Tristan yeah. and Nick, yeah, yeah. I think, joining us. Say hi, hi Tristan, hi Nick. Uh, I hope you can uh, just say hello in the chat if you're able to, if you are driving uh, or operating heavy machinery, um, just nod, uh, and we will sense that. Uh, and if you're chat. listening on the podcast, don't say anything in the chat because there isn't chat and we're not listening. And we're not listening. Then we're not listening. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so all of your thoughts and, and tirades and, and criticisms and objections will will just go into the ether. It's very okay. difficult, this. Now I feel I feel sort of conflicted and confused to people who are listening now, people who are not listening, me not listening later. This is like so a sort of mess. In, in, the, in, in, in the quantum world, that's called a quantum superposition where you are both dead and alive. You are Schrodinger's cat. You don't know right. if you're listening or not listening. Meow. See, we've gone quantum today. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's all about perception. There we yeah. go. Nice. Like how... That was like <laughs> a David Frostian segue. I've been practicing. I've taken two years of doing live <laughs> webinars to work out how to make the most convoluted segue ever. Um, but yeah, so today, today, how, how do we bring it all together? How do we bring trees falling down and quantum mechanics and Heisenberg and viewers and non-viewers and listeners and non-listeners and value-based pricing? Boom. Um, Oh, well, one thing, we value your time. Thank you, Tristan, <laughs> Nick and Francis for joining us this morning. Uh, we hope by the end of this, if you don't get value from our knowledge, you will get value from our witterings. Uh, and just a little bit of amusement. Uh, put a smile on your face on this uh, bright. Well, it's not so bright. It was bright a bit. There was some. Um, 1st of December. Um, about oh, pitch, shit. Punch, first day of the month, Ben, no returns. <laughs> Exactly. Actually, the yeah. in the in the excitement of the first day of advent calendars today, um, mm-hmm. we didn't. It's probably the first month of the year. The morning doesn't descend into the boys fighting over who basically inflicted the first punch. <laughs> <laughs> Distracted by chocolate, essentially. Oh, well done, well done. Yeah, we 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 uh, are you. So you let them have chocolate first thing in the morning. Uh, what me or them? Uh, them. Them. Well, Your one team. of them did. The other one decided to use all his pocket money to, or birthday money or something, to buy ad- his advent calendar. Is a football cards advent calendar. Ooh, so he doesn't get chocolate. Clever. He gets football cards, nice. and he bought it himself. Double bonus. The other one, I don't even know if he had his chocolate or if he has the promise of chocolate. So, all right. So there's two things. There. First, um, on the chocolate thing, I'm you know total judgmental parent there, Ben. Chocolate in the morning is terrible. Um, and then secondly, on the buying your own advent card, I feel there's a there's an episode here about kids and money. Yeah, Maybe definitely. Talk about how how are we talking to our children or or behaving with money with our children, and what does yeah. what do we think that means with their with their relationships or potential future relationships with money? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Uh, that's one to, to queue up on the Christmas list. Um, it's on there, on the hit parade. Hit parade. Um, so today, uh, in summary, this is the third part of a three-part series uh, where we've been kind of exploring the pros and cons and differences between time-based, project-based, and value-based pricing. Um, when it came to time-based pricing, there's this real 
security or familiarity with that approach that we that we talked about that helps customers feel a sense of comfort when they're buying something it feels like pay as you go uh, pay what you know what you use type approach um and how that on one hand makes it easier for them but on another hand as a supplier that can either affect your profit margin because of feeling like um well actually you know your profit margin it could sort of like make it uncertain in terms of how much time are you going to work on something and how much work and then um it, it can also be difficult in terms of deciding how long is a project supposed to be and 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 that also for a client you know how long am i allowed to, or how am i how long is this person supposed to be working on this thing mm-hmm. so there's there's a there's an issue there i think project based pricing where i thought we came to was this idea of like it's nearly like it's trying to do value-based pricing, but it's essentially itemized hourly-based pricing. It's like, all right, this is a shopping list. This guy is going to work X hours. This girl is going to work X hours. This other person is going to work X hours. We add them all up. That's how much you're going to pay. Uh, there's, again, this feeling of certainty. I this, For the customer, I know how much I'm going to pay. But on the supplier side, there's a potential hit if that's a fixed amount and you're not going to budge. Even if it isn't a fixed amount, at some point, you're going to have a difficult conversation saying, okay, we need more time. And then how do you decide how much extra time? And, you know, there's a whole gamut of conversations there. Today, we are going to tackle this idea of value-based pricing, which we believe is, well, I think, having learned from Ben, this is where you really want to be. It isn't the easiest approach, um, but I think it's the the approach where there is a much clearer potential for a not only a win-win, but a really big win for both parties. Um, but it takes some effort. We're going to explore that. Um, so, yeah, on this, I was wondering if we start off with, um, I don't think many people many people do, most most people don't follow this approach. I think most people do the time-based or the project-based, as I understand it. Uh, and I don't know, Ben, do you have any thoughts or from, you know, talking to people that you've worked with, particularly on your one-to-one coaching and, and, and some of the group programs that you do, is there a resistance or a difficulty? What you know, is there any major roadblock to people just even trying to start to work with this properly, if that makes sense? You know, really mm-hmm. embrace the value-based approach. Uh is there a roadblock? Uh yes, and it's massive. <laughs> I think there, <laughs> there there are many, many, <clears throat> many blocks and obstacles which sort of stop people um kind of dabbling dabbling with this. Um I guess kind of a few things to say. One just in kind of reference to what you're sort of saying there, that you know that this is the best route, and I think probably one sort of qualification around that is, you know, like like all of these things, like time, like project, like value, kind of the way we sort of explored. There were so there are kind of pros and cons to to both actually, uh, and the same with value pricing. There are pros and cons to to it. It's not that it is necessarily the best. It's going to be right for some people. It is undoubtedly going to be the most profitable. Uh, and so, you know, depending on, you know, what the rest of your work looks like or how you structure your time or what you might do, you know, if there is a, a kind of a need, a kind of desire to kind of increase profit, whether it's from certain clients, from kind of all clients, you know, whether there's a need to earn more, this all kind of links to what your motivation is for sorting out your money. <clears throat> it's undoubtedly that 
it's undoubted that uh, value pricing is the route to the most profitable. So in terms of kind of, you know, sort of positives around it, that is kind of unavoidably true. Because like we're saying, you know, kind of time, pricing by time is convenient. And what clients want to do is they want to remove ambiguity and uncertainty because buying anything is full of ambiguity and uncertainty. So we're always keen to remove that whenever you're buying anything. So this kind of thing of a fixed sort of price, i.e. my time costs this, uh, people go, okay, that feels convenient. But as you sort of acknowledge, you know, basically it ultimately is, becomes an open-ended thing and that just adds more uncertainty. The project pricing thing is probably the most convenient for a client because they get the value of the kind of fixed price, but you as the supplier effectively carry the kind of cost of that unless you have the difficult conversation of, of kind of cracking it open. So the, the kind of value pricing thing, you know, is the best way of um of kind of earning of increasing the profit from what you from what you do but in terms of to to your question around kind of roadblocks yes there are kind of many many roadblocks because as you alluded to in the explanation you know value pricing is is hard and actually at the heart of value pricing is this idea that value is subjective so the only person who really can decide what the value of something is, is your client. And so that, in terms of the roadblock thing, is not just about the challenge of the process of getting there, but is also just comes into the definition of value pricing. What is value pricing? Given that value pricing is a subjective thing, the whole, the whole idea of value pricing is also subjective. So in a way, you know, a lot of the stuff that we spoke about at the beginning of this series about the requirement for to remove ambiguity and remove uncertainty, the process of getting to a value price is full of ambiguity and full of uncertainty. So in a way, it kind of contradicts a lot of what the kind of benefit was of kind of time, even if it kind of pays back at the other the other way around. Uh, one of the references I just made kind of note on uh, LinkedIn when we were talking about promoting this this morning, there was an old client of uh, mine and we were talking about <clears throat> talking about this and you know his quote was uh, value pricing is like the Middle East piece. Everybody wants it, but nobody has any idea how to get it. And that, you know, that is the obstacle, essentially, is how, you know, how do I do it? Is it worth the trouble? Is it worth the challenge? It feels difficult. It feels a struggle. You know, do I do I really believe that the gain is worth the cost of trying to do it? Mm. Um, I re so um, to stretch, without getting too political, but to stretch <laughs> a bit that analogy on um, Middle East peace, um uh, and Andy's asking if we use value but pricing approach. Uh, we will answer that later. Um, the the challenge around that and this discussion around pricing is, I think, it's because it's also there's something deeper involved here. There is a history involved. There's a conflict involved that can be really tricky. That complicates things. And when I think about when I you know, get away from the politics thing because we don't want to go down that route. But in terms of this conversation, this subjectivity, your history, relationship, perceptions around value and how much you are allowed to earn is going to be a significant impact on how you work with value-based pricing. Uh, on the other thing that you're talking about there in terms of like, you, you're, it's, it can be much more profitable. I think on one hand, yes, from the supplier, I, I agree with you. Uh, and I'm, and uh, you know, we're on social media, Ben. We're supposed to be polarizing. We're supposed to say, this is the best way. This is how you do it. Everywhere is rubbish. Mm -hmm. Happy pricing is the only way to do it. Um, but to back that up, 
A, yes, I think it can be incredibly profitable. These are the most profitable ways of, of pricing your work. But also, I can I, I believe it can be the most impactful. Mm -hmm. Not impactful because, um, well, impactful in the way that you can work with the clients who need your the outcome that you're going to create the most. And you are mm -hmm. able to then make a conscious decision whether to work with someone or not not based on how much they're going to pay you, but based on whether you believe that your work is going to be the most value to them. Mm -hmm. And so rather than you trying to find, you know, flog stuff to people who just might not care or might not even understand whether they care or not, you are actually hunting. And this is like, this is just, this is kind of the end of the line of over a, after a longer journey of marketing and telling the story of your work and finding the people, you know, there's a broader context that all of this is in. So the reason why I call it the best is because it should be and it needs to be a massive win for not only yourself, but your customer. Just because I spend five minutes with someone doesn't necessarily mean I can't be paid a couple of hundred pounds if for that person it makes a massive shift. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, you know, the Middle East analogy there, if there's a belief mm -hmm. that actually that's not allowed or that's not possible or money is a certain way, then you won't be able to do this. And I think for me, that's one of the massive roadblocks around taking this value-based approach is whether you believe it's allowed because mm. of what you think it means. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. And, you know, for sure, it, you know, like we were making sort of a joke earlier or relative joke. It's all, all things relative. Not that funny. Uh, but talking about <laughs> the, the kind of the, the list of things to talk about in future episodes, of course, this thing around the beliefs, the stories that we have around money, you know, is kind of unavoidable. It is brought to bear on every one of our conversations around selling it's brought to bear on every one of our conversations around money and pricing and all of these things we can't you know in in many respects in many instances we can't help but kind of bring these sort of stories which are often quite limiting stories to the conversations that we have around around money but and the, and the thing that i sort of like that you were sort of pointing to of course is it is about kind of impactful work you know as soon as we get out of the idea that this is you know as you're as you're suggesting getting out of the idea that this is just about money or profit or pricing essentially all of this is about you know the more time we can spend understanding our clients or our customers intent their motivation the thing that they want to change you know whenever somebody buys anything it's because they want something to change uh, and you know we in the in the on the course on the on the program talk about clients only buying two things <clears throat> excuse me they're buying good feelings and they're buying solutions to problems and you know the how badly they want those good feelings how badly they want that problem solved this is the kind of the um, the source material for how useful you are. And if we kind of remove the kind of just words of kind of money and profit for a minute, and we talk about impact, and we talk about how useful you are, and you talk about how, you know, how big a problem that you are solving for your client through bringing to bear your, your expertise or your products or your services, you know, the more that we kind of do that, and the more that we try and find this kind of sort of sort of symbiotic place, you know, where the clients and customers have these problems that they wanting solving, they have these good feelings that they want, and you have you 
with your products and services. And like I said, the, the kind of more symbiotic that is, the more kind of in alignment that is, the more kind of your your kind of your products and services are connected to that impact. You know, that is where the kind of goodness happens. That is where usefulness is. That is where impact is. And the more impact there is, the more useful you are, you know, the exchange with that can be a monetary one can be a financial one so it starts to kind of it starts to kind of trickle back into pricing when we kind of spend the time to understand that and again so kind of pointing to kind of pros cons like we've been doing through this whole series of course that takes more time and it takes more risk and it takes a bit more effort but you know the 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 fruit if you like is you are kind of you are almost exclusive or solely oriented to the impact that the client your customer wants and the more you are in that place, the more useful you will be. And like we say, there is then the kind of trickle down benefit that that has a monetary payback oftentimes. Brilliant. Excellent. Um, I want to maybe jump on a couple of questions here because I think it'll inform more of the, where we're going to go, where we're going with this conversation. Jump on um, them. So firstly, firstly, um, <laughs> this, this, is a, this, is a, this is a crunchy one. Do you use value pricing? This is from Andy. Me? Yeah. Um, so in some of my work, yeah, I do. I think the, the thing that I do, so with kind of programs I do, we can talk about this in terms of um, how it kind of translates to um, selling a program. So <clears throat> where there's sort of one-to-one -one work that I will do with people who run, run businesses. And um, do I use value pricing in this, you know, in the simplistic sense of, you know, your business, you know, you're selling whatever sales of a few million and you're trying to make changes to get to there. You know, am I saying, well, if we make that change, then you're going to pay me a proportion of that? No, it's not that sort of simplistic or that sort of, uh, that's a hammer sign. I don't know what I've done. It's a, uh, kind of blunt, whatever, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but, um, when I'm putting those kind of programs together, do I spend a kind of a lot of time really understanding all of the things that I was just talking about there in terms of the kind of good feelings and in terms of the kind of problems they want solving and trying to understand what the kind of cost of not changing is for the client and use that uh, to help inform a you know a, a kind of price yeah absolutely so it's not kind of price by time there's kind of a whole range of factors which i sort of take into consideration some of which is what i know i need to kind of generate for my own cash flow purposes but then it's very much kind of rooted to and anchoring towards well what is the kind of cost of the change that the client is wanting to make uh, and so i use all of those techniques wherever possible but again like we said through the whole of these series there's pros and cons to each of these and there's some instances where a client or a customer has a fixed thing about what it is that they are really able to spend within the kind of parameters that there's always kind of room for ambiguity around that. But you know, you've got to take a, you've got to take a, you've got to be open-minded and kind of be flexible. I know that there are these tools to use where I can. Equally, I know there are other instances for other reasons where a client or a customer has a certain set of expectations. Uh, and that means you need to go a, a kind of another route. And then kind of pricing and selling a course, for example, is a whole different thing. And so the question is also kind of relevant to that. Mm. <clears throat> nice one, Ben. I think, you know, what made me think there is actually, Andy, the way I think about price, value-based pricing is not a tactical strategy for me. It's, it's a mindset and a philosophy. It's, it's a way of tackling Boom. 
That Boom. is social media right there. <laughs> Get the T-shirt, check it out on Instagram. You can have a lovely font and a beautiful background. Um, and the reason why I say that is, A, um, I don't practice it half as much as I'd like. Um, and there's two things around that. I think uh, first, I think value pricing, two, two pillars that, that come into mind is confidence and compassion. Confidence, because you really need to be, you really need to be confident in your own skills and the outcomes you can create, and confident that you're talking to the right person. But the second one, the compassion, is like not everyone is able to work with money in the way that you are working with money. Not everyone is able to stretch. You know, someone you might be able to say, like I said before, if you said I can help you, it'll cost you five hundred quid and it'll be five minutes of my time. Most people will run a mile. You know, they, they're not at that level of understanding that that's a fair exchange or believing that's a fair exchange. And you could probably get them there. But from a pragmatic point of view, that might be a year's worth of conversations. You know, there's depending on who you're talking to, this approach of really talking about value based pricing, being honest and transparent about your needs, what you need to run a business, what you need to feel confident about working with someone, what you need in terms of the energetic aspect of the work. And what they really need in terms of the shift, the change they're working, not the amount of hours that you're needing to buy or that you're needing to work. I think when you can have two people who can have that really good conversation, then boom, you know, that's, you know, as well as the ideal aspects of how you have, you know, use the strategies, it also requires the right people to be able to have those conversations. And so as, as a provider, um, if you want to work with this, I think your job is also to start in whatever way you can educating your clients about how to think about the value of what they're trying to create you know they're trying to create for themselves by working with others so um i would like to say i don't use it often as much as i like but it's because i don't think as a society we're as comfortable generally to work like that we want mm -hmm. much more clear simple objective rules about how much money we need to pay because it's hard to think like that it takes mm -hmm. a lot more processing power and creates, for some people, too much uncertainty. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I hope that answers your question, Andy. I don't know anything else for you, um, Ben, while I was having that monologue. <clears throat> no, I think the um, what the thing around trust. There's two things actually in what you were saying that um, sort of resonate. One, this the importance of trust, clearly hugely important, uh, and the other is <clears throat> who is buying, uh, and so. You know, these things have a hugely material kind of impact on the value because, you know, are you talking to somebody who is spending their own money? Are you talking to somebody who's spending the money of a company, i.e. so it's not coming out of their own pocket? Are you talking, you know, if it's the latter, are they just administering somebody else's budget? Are they responsible for budget? Are they responsible for kind of increasing values? You know, who you're talking to has a hugely kind of significant bearing on what the value of the work is. Uh, and so that, you know, you, that is a kind of unavoidable thing, uh, which would influence how you price something and what the value of something is. Uh, but yeah, and then importantly, like you're saying, this thing around kind of trust, because the more trust there is, the more comfortable someone is going to be engaging in the type of, the type of dialogue that you were just sort of talking to there. And, you know, that, that of course, is not, is, is kind of, is, is slowly earned. Yeah, I, and I think, I, I, yeah, it's a good thing that you picked up on the trust thing because um, anyone who just 
focuses on pricing and strategies around pricing and selling without an awareness or you know any kind of um, broader view on the marketing and why do they care about the people that they're selling to then i think that's that's going to create more effort and more challenges for you particularly mm -hmm. if you're someone who who actually does care and if you are kind of someone who feels like they need to be authentic and ethical in the way they work um there's an element here of people will trust you if you you have that energy around you mm -hmm. if you've got that nervousness of like oh am i allowed to pay you know charge this oh you know do i really want to work with this person or do i really believe in helping this person and getting them to where they want to get to i i believe that really leaks out in the conversation and in the energy of that interaction unless like uh, i remember a conversation with tad hargrave on marketing you are a sociopath and you can mm -hmm. really just like detach and just like you're there and, and then you know there are people in the world who are very good at just like being able to as they say sell snow to eskimos but i think most people who follow us who are in our world of doing the kind of way we want to do business we are a bit more sensitive to how other people um relate to us and mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that we come across in the most authentic way and still make a sustainable profitable um valuable business yeah and i think that's where you know for me it's important to stress why we talk about it as opposed to how other people might talk about it yeah and again because of that what you're saying there kind of links back to what we we're talking about earlier is the kind of the, the the kind of the need the responsibility and the opportunity with all of this is about being out of our own shoes our own skin and into metaphorically speaking the shoes and skin of the person who's buying the thing that we do because the more oriented we are towards that the more that we understand that the more that we are rooted in that in everything that's going on over on that side of the table rather than this side of the table the more useful we can be the more impactful we can be and then there is the then there is the kind of monetary exchange you know as part of that sequence and on that as well and the quicker you'll be able to say this is this customer isn't for me you know, the more you're able to understand their worldview and see where they're trying to get to and where you want to get to, the the less time you can waste. You know, why convince someone who isn't at that stage ready or that at that level of clarity or or level of commitment? Because ultimately, how much you pay is also a signal of the commitment you have to the outcome. So if you see someone who's really hesitant, really not or ultimately not clear, they don't know what they want then you have to make a decision. It's like, do you want to spend time helping them get to that clarity? And if so, how much is that worth to you mm. and them? So, yeah, this it really broadens out when we start thinking about value-based pricing to just selling sort of widgets on the shelf mm -hmm. to actually a bit more of a deeper um, psychology, really. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. And a final thing on that. And your own psychology, which I think yeah. is the most, that's the thing I love. That's the exciting stuff. Like, how, what's really driving me when I think mm -hmm. about this stuff? When yeah. I'm trying to work with people. Um, just a quick one. Uh, we've got a lovely question by Dave. What was the last value based business purchase you made and why? Oof. Ooh. Um... The last value-based business purchase I made. So, what was the last time someone? Um, ooh, good question. Good question. I have a quick story. Okay. It's, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, actually, it was last year actually, 
man, the year feels like 10 at the moment. Uh, it was, it's trans-pandemic, I think it was the time. Um, trans-pandemic? I, <laughs> I, really I think we are still in pandemic. You know, I'm pandemic fluid. Um, sorry, sorry, really bad joke. Uh, we are... Um, I was yeah. There's a there's a, a guy, a lovely guy we know who is part of our community, Charles Davies. <clears throat> he was doing a course called Clarity for Teachers, and Charles is kind of he, he was one of the first people who taught me about this money stuff. And so, in classic Charlie way, he was like, "Do you want to join this course? Yes. Why do you want to do it? What's important to you? What, and then went through all of that. And then, how much do you want to pay for it? Oh, I have no idea." throw me a bone i have no idea and so he started throwing numbers at me you know some people pay this some people pay that and i and i came to a I, I won't say that figure now um but at the same time i came to a figure and i had to commit to it and it was really difficult and it was challenging because it, because it wasn't I, I i wasn't able to really tie it to a financial return i could only tie it to what felt right and what i wanted to do then and, and I paid the number, and actually thinking back, and Charlie's going to love this, I should go back to him and pay him more. Mm. Because it, and this is the interesting thing about that, the benefit of that only, I think it's only come out maybe a couple of years afterwards. And this is the really curious thing about, I think, really true, you know, if we're going to go orthodox value-based pricing, there is something around. We need um, bigger bids. <laughs> we need bigger bids. <laughs> there is. There's potential, you know, if you're doing really impactful work, that value, and this is the thing that Ben talks about a lot on the course, is like, is something you will uh, be benefiting from again and again. And, and so, and as a customer, if you're able to get get people to understand how many times they're going to benefit from the value of you working with them, then you start framing again how much that is, how much money that could turn into. So mm. anyway, that's that. What I remember, and I remember from a customer point of view, it was challenging. And that's why I say I, I found it hard to think about how to interact with, all right, how much is it really worth? And I needed more guidance mm, because yeah. I was I was still not at that level to really just say, oh, I confidently want to pay X thousands of pounds because this is how much I believe it's worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a there's a few things in there. <clears throat> One, I think the just pay what you want is a very, very difficult thing for people to work out. Uh, you know, going back to the thing we're talking about, about kind of ambiguity and uncertainty. We are a part owner platform that provides meditation teachings and there's a whole load of free stuff and there are courses. And for the courses, we tried for a bit to do pay what you want. <clears throat> and actually, it was really difficult for people to buy. And as soon as we put some structure around that, it significantly increased the number of people who were buying. So I think there's a thing around that. The only other thing around the value price the value-based purchases that i could think of which was not a uh, business purchase but we've spoken about on here before is buying very expensive gin and tonics near the beach <laughs> so th there is some value in that but they are expensive yeah yeah and then i think that that for me is just a microcosm of the stuff that we talk about when it comes to value-based pricing because it isn't just about the product you're buying it's about the mm. experience it's about this you know the the memory it's about you know like ben was saying there's the good feelings uh, and you know there there is um there's some really creative work mm -hmm. around this around really understanding and painting a picture of what it is 
that the customer is looking for and will actually feel because i think there's also there's a what is the experience of working with you mm-hmm. is that of value to that person um david papa was talking <laughs> talking about um making people feel uncomfortable when they ask asking them to choose their price mm. um but i think also yeah on the one hand it, it, it can be a bit challenging there and then you know you might have to help them but also i know working with david you know i love being with david david's got an amazing energy around him and so to certain people just being around david is more valuable than being around any other coach mm-hmm. and actually understanding that and getting away from this idea of a market rate or an objective rate that all all coaches all web developers all designers need to be paid x amount an hour i think that that's something to fight against and i think that's something that geraldine was was commenting about really in terms of dynamic pricing and then the industry average mm. and, and how that affects again your client's perception um and talks to your thing about getting into their head sorry offer a tangent there <clears throat> good tangents now what i would say is uh, when we run the program and if anybody's interested in it, do press the green button we are notoriously bad at timekeeping that's true <laughs> that's true and w- <laughs> thank you thank you for reminding me and one of the reasons we were going to do this on the wednesday morning before <laughs> action cafe which is another web and the thing i uh, online meeting that i do is that we could do it in half an hour and we're off and done and there's a hard limit we are over we have gone over time so we're going to finish off very quickly now i think uh ben can you do a quick summary in terms of things people need to think about when it comes to value-based pricing just to underline uh and just give people just a full stop as to ah okay this is this is what i need to go away with okay so i'm going to fudge this a little bit conveniently um so uh, i guess the most important thing is that i've just referenced back what you introduced and what we're talking about that really this is as much as possible about walking in the shoes of your client and customer so really taking the time to explore and understand what their motivations are the things that they want to change the problems that they want to solve uh, and the good feelings that they are buying uh, through being with you. The more that you can do that, and I'd imagine lots of people who are kind of listening in this community are coaches. So actually they have the tools and the skills to be able to kind of uncover that, those those kind of nuggets of wisdom. The kind of other sort of slight fudge is next week, we're going to talk about the five T's of pricing, which is basically all of the different things that you can sort of use to kind of play with different aspects of price. And a lot of the things in that will be things which kind of point to how people might explore and play around with different price levels. So uh, it's not a hard stop or a full stop. It's a colon. A bridge. I it's love a bridge. It. It's a bridge yes. to next Wednesday. And he, you, you've introduced the 6T, the teaser. <laughs> thank you very much ben so yeah next wednesday this time this place we'll be talking about uh, the five t's to to pricing well Uh, so until then thank you very much ben thank you thank you very much everyone cheers dave geraldine uh and david thanks andy for your questions thanks tristan and nick for joining in um hope to see you again next week and yeah if you didn't catch the beginning this is available on the recording on this link within five minutes of us um, finishing and also we'll be putting it on the podcast uh, waking up to money uh, you can find that on apple and spotify and we have a youtube channel 
if you just again search for waking up to money you'll be able to find all the recordings from this season and the past th three seasons now we're in season four it's amazing well press green press green press green and that's another quick way to find out more about this stuff until next time take care thank you very much bye-bye <laughs> bye, -bye. bye, -bye. Thank you for listening to our Waking Up To Money podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you're new to this podcast and this idea of waking up to money, then you may be interested in our happy pricing manifesto and course. Go to our website at happypricing.co where you can download the manifesto and also get a copy of our happy pricing canvas. The manifesto is our declaration of what we believe is important for pricing well and pricing happy. The Canvas is a tool to help you make sense of the prices you currently set and what you can do to price more methodically and confidently. Twice a year we also run our Happy Pricing course, where you'll get the chance to learn more deeply the ideas we share on the podcast with the guidance and support of Ben and the cohort of like-minded peers who'll be doing the course with you. Please register to the course if you'd like to get alerted of when we're running it next. Go to the website, again, happypricing.co forward slash course. Also, please remember to follow us on Spotify and to share this episode and links to the podcast with any friends you think would find it useful. If you'd like to ask your questions live on our Waking Up To Money show, then register to our Crowdcast channel by going to ahappy.link forward slash waking up to money. See you soon.